So before we go into the message, I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that you have already met us in this place, Father. You have already set the atmosphere, Father. This day has already been, Father, preordained by you, Father. Hallelujah, that we would meet in this place. That, Father, hallelujah, that you would get the glory out of all of it, Lord God. And I ask you in the name of Jesus that, Father, as I decrease, you would increase in me, Father. That you would use this vessel, Lord God, and my mouth, Lord God, hallelujah, to pour into your sheep, your people, your sons, and your daughters, Lord God. No matter, Father, whether it's the youngest in here, Father, to the oldest in here, Lord God. Father, allow this seed, Lord God, to implant, Father, on good ground, Father. And, Father, I ask you that you protect this seed, Lord God, that is going into your people, Father, so that the evil one, Father, may not come back around, Father, and steal it out of their hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 It's good to see everybody. Good to see the women back in the house. I know you had a great time. Amen. I hope you got filled up, imparted, all of that. And so um, without further ado, we're going to go into lesson three of the series of discernment. I hope this series has been helping any and everybody. Has it been helping you? Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. So the past uh, two weeks as I've been restoring and getting myself back together, from the previous conference that we came from, the Holy Spirit began to reveal a connection to me, and he began to give me a revelation, um, oddly, about the body's immune system and how that actually connects to today's lesson. And he revealed to me that just as germs and viruses and bacteria and and different things that attack our body, that constantly wage war on our bodies, such as those things that continue to wage wars on our bodies and our immune systems kick in, he began to reveal to me that discernment does the same thing for the body of Christ. And he, begins me, he began to tell me that just as, as, as that does that for the human body, for the immune system, when false doctrines and demonic influences begin to constantly rage war, not only on our faith in the body of Christ and individually on ourselves, discernment begins to kick in like a, the body's immune system to help us in that area. So... Abba has provided for us as sons and daughters discernment and the gift of discernment of spirits to enable us to withstand these types of attacks. So, as I said, just like we have the body's immune system, we have discernment to do this for us. And as it is, seems obvious that the church is suffering from a lack of discernment, it still stands to be very valuable to look further and to seek to understand why does discernment do this, why does discernment um, that in which we're trying to get to the point where we are better at this, why is it that we have not really developed the skill like we need to if it's as, and as important as Abba says it is? 
So it's never been easy to, to discern because discernment, I want to say the specific word, skill. Discernment is a skill, okay? And it's a skill that has to be sharpened over a long period of time. It is not something that's just totally automatic. Oh, I just got discernment. It's something that has to be practiced over a long period of time. And that's what Hebrews 5 and 14 says. It says that um, by constant practice, or some translations say by constant work, to distinguish good from evil. So we know that discernment comes with a constant practice. It comes with a constant work in order for it to be sharpened. So while it is a discipline that requires practice, remember, discernment is a skill that does not tend also to make us very popular with people. So I need for you to understand that. (laughs) Because as your discernment continues to grow, you will become very unpopular. Okay? So, and the reason why we become unpopular is because of these few things. Number one, it requires for us to make very clear and unwavering distinctions between what is good and what is evil. Number one. Now, the words of our brother Jesus in Matthew 10, 34. Just making sure I don't get ahead of myself. Don't give the um, title slide yet, Alana. I'm, I'm still on. I'm still on this one, so stay where you are. And the brother in the scripture of our brother Jesus in Matthew 10 at 34 through 37, he warns us about the consequences of those who will follow him. And he says, do not imagine that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to turn men against their fathers, daughters against their mothers, daughter-in-laws against their mothers-in-laws. You will find you have enemies even in your own household. If you love your father or your mother more than you love me, then you are not worthy of me, he says. If you love your son or your daughter more than you love me, then you you are not worthy of me, he says. So with discernment also comes division. So a person who seeks to be discerning must be willing to suffer the effects of the division. So let me explain what I mean by division. Just like what our brother says, it will divide not only the believer from the unbeliever, but it will separate the mature from the immature. It will separate the naive Christian from the prudent and the studious Christian. And there are several forces that work against us as we attempt to be sons and daughters as we begin to use our discernment. So there are internal forces steaming from our sinful human natures that we inherit from Adam. There are spiritual forces that seek to promote deception. And then there are external forces that originate in our culture that we live in and that we grew up in that's all around us. So 
In this lesson of discernment series, we will examine each of the seven challenges that make it difficult for sons and daughters of God to discern adequately. Amen? You can go ahead, Alana. So that is today's lesson. The seven challenges that make discernment difficult. And the first one that we start with is internal influences. Amen. The prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17 and 9, amen, he said that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, from the moment that Adam and Eve defied the father and ate of the fruit, he commanded them not to eat from the hearts of all human beings have been did what? Plagued with sin. So it is almost impossible to know how full of evil the heart really is. So like flies are drawn to light and moths are drawn to flames of fire, the human nature will always be drawn to sin. The sinful heart delights, and when I say the word delights, I mean the sinful heart takes pleasure. It finds joy. It is satisfied in what is evil and what is ungodly. So, as Christians, as sons and daughters of God, we are given, what, new hearts when we come into the family of God that seeks after the Father's will because of this. But, yet, evil continues to dwell in us. And is this not Paul's testimony and his cry in Romans 7, 18, and 25? Let me get Romans 7, 18, and 25, Alana. And it says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person that I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. 
So even as we seek after godliness, there is a part of us that yearns to return to our former master. Just like the children of Israel wanted to return to Egypt, what would make them want to return to Egypt? They had been under slavery. They had just been set free. But guess what? They kept saying, well, we might as well go back to Egypt. Why would you want to go back to Egypt? So this is how this looks. We want to retaliate against people. We're happy when people uh, fail at different things. We speak damaging words over people. We talk about people behind their backs to defame them. We harbor resentment in our heart towards others that do us wrong. We avoid people when they tell us the truth. We pretend to love people, but in our hearts we really don't love them. All this and more are situations when we're trying to return to that old master. So think about this. You are the owner of a heart that you are oblivious to the contents of what's actually inside of it, even though you take it everywhere that you go. Alana, if you can bring up the, the visual for Lord of the Rings. Now, J.R. Tolkien, let me make sure I say that right. <laughs> J.R. Tolkien seems to have understood this struggle, what I'm talking about, internal influences. In his series of the Lord of the Rings, and he provides a powerful metaphor for it. Now, in these books, Tolkien describes a ring of power. A single ring unto which the evil sorcerer Sauron has poured all of his wrath and his fury and his evil inside of this ring. And this ring has almost a mind of its own and it desires to do what? Return to its master. And as Sauron's minions search for this ring, Frodo who has inherited the ring and now seeks to destroy it, he finds himself drawn to these evil ring wraps, the ring which he wears on a chain around his neck, pulls him towards the power of evil. This ring desires to be returned to his wicked master, and at the same time, it begins to pollute this kind, this good, this naive Frodo, which is evil. When given the opportunity to throw the rings in the depths of Mount Doom, destroying the ring forever, Frodo finds himself unable to part with the ring, despite the pain it's causing him, despite the torment it's causing him, and yet he cannot let this ring go. He wants to keep it, to tame it, and in the end, it can only be destroyed when it's torn from the grasp of Frodo. And this is so often how Christians relate to sin. Amen. So even though we have been saved, even though we have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, we hold on to our sins 
for something in us is just totally drawing us back into that place of sin. And even the apostles in Acts chapter 1, after Judas had betrayed Jesus and they were seeking to add another apostle to the 11 that was chosen, they prayed this prayer. Let's see what they prayed. Acts chapter 1, verse 24 through 26. And it says, and they prayed and said, thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots and the lot fell upon Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So even though they were apostles, they were chosen by God. They didn't rely upon their own hearts to choose. They asked the one who is able to search the hearts of men to do the choosing for them. They were afraid of their what? Own, own internal challenges that may lead them to, to discern the wrong apostle to add to the eleven. And so the first enemy we must overcome in our discipline of discernment is our own internal influences. Amen? Amen. Number two, the second challenge of discernment are spiritual influences. So while we must be prepared to fight against our internal influences of our fallen nature, we must also deal with external spiritual influences. So Satan, of course, once the mightiest of the angels, is known as the devil on the prowl for those who have forsaken him and who seek after the Father. So Satan's tactics rarely ever change. And in all that he seeks to do is to lead us astray, to deceive us, and offer us a counterfeit version of the truth. It looks like the truth, but it's in error. He offers things to you that seem so close to the real thing, but yet it's so far away. Isn't that what he did to Eve when he asked her, did God really say that? So, let me get the other. In the movie Doctor Strange, when the witch was operating in the demonic realm, Doctor Strange came to see her. She was in, as you see in trailer one, in an apple garden, pruning branches, go figure. And the first thing that he asked her was this, is this reality real that I see you in? Then suddenly with one move of her hand, she allows him to see that the real world she was operating in was dead with no life, which was the second trailer. So let's deal with deception and doctrine. You can bring up the next one. And let's deal with the Jehovah's Witness doctrine. Because I remember what I said, it seemed real close to the truth, but it's an error. 
Let's look at John 1 and 1 in the, their Bible. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was a God. And in our Bible, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, the issue with this is that in their word, it seemed close to the truth, but it says it was a God, which means that it leaves room to say that, number one, that there are other gods, number one. The second issue that it leaves in here is that other gods are acceptable. So in our words, when it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, it leaves no room for no other God because there is no other God but him. And this is the reason why we have to be discerning in not only doctrine and things, but we have to be very careful about the things in which we hear and about the things in which we read because it seemed like it's true. It seemed like it's close to be true, but it's really not. And that's why a lot of times you need discernment. Now, if there is no other God, that means there are false gods or idols. When he is the only true and living God, every other God that calls himself a God existing are fake. They are made up. They are counterfeit. They are self-exalted gods. From, and we're talking about from Hinduism all the way to Buddhism and every type of religion that you can think of, they are counterfeit versions of the real thing. And this is where the whole armor of God comes in handy and the defense mechanism of discernment. Paul said in Ephesians 4 and 14, he said, so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forward like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. This is the reason why we have to be careful of the things in which we listen to and the things in which we look at. And it actually, I began to think about the dream that um, Pastor Pierre brought to me <laughs> that one time. And um, I don't know the exact, exact, exact details of it, but I remember the, the details I do remember is that, you know, I think he was, um, you know how you have those racquetball um, places and um, they're separated by a wall. And he was in this dream. He was on one side and there was a wall that separated him from the Kardashians. And they were playing racquetball, but they also was tossing this ball back and forth because there was like this, this opening at the top where you can toss a ball back and forward. And there were some other details in the dream, but when I gave him the interpretation of the dream, I told him, I said, it seems as though you are studying um, and, um, on wealth um, because they represented wealth in the dream. 
And I said, it seems as though you are studying on the topic of wealth and you want to increase your wealth. And I began to tell him, I said, you know what? And God wants that for us because he gave us an inheritance. He says he gives us the power to gain wealth. So the father wants us to be wealthy. And also when, you know, we show forth what the kingdom looks like, you want to make sure that the kingdom looks wealthy and not raggedy and stuff. So this is something you should be seeking. But I also told him in that there, there, there was a warning in that dream. And I said, Pastor Kirby, remember, I said, not everything that you study on wealth has a door that opens, that opens the promises of God. I said, so everything in which you read, just make sure that whatever door that is opening, that it always leads to the promises of God. Because that can happen a lot of times, especially in this age. You look on social media right now, seven ways on how to build your wealth, eight ways on how to increase your income, ten ways on how to do real estate. I mean, it's just there, 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 there. But do all of those things that they're telling you to do, do they equal the promises of God? Is it a door that you personally are going to have to keep open your Self through self-effort or is it a door in which the father is going to open and he's going to provide for that thing so you don't have to strive so hard so you have to make sure that it leads to a door of the promises of God amen because what Whatever the father adds to you, he said he will not add any sorrow with it. So we don't want to add no more sorrow to our life, right? There's enough sorrow in life. We don't want to add nothing. Amen. <laughs> now, number three, when it comes to the challenges of discernment, we have to look at our cultural influences. So just as Christians must be prepared to deal with the influences that come from within our spirit and externally from the spirit realm, we must also be prepared to deal with influences arising from the culture in which we live in the culture that we come from. Now let's look at Philippians 3 and 20 and 1 John 2, 15 through 17. First Philippians 3 and 20. It says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. First John 2, 15 and 17 says, don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. For all that the world can offer us, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance, none of these things come from the Father but from the world. This world and its desires are in the process of passing away. But those who love to do the Father's will, the will of God, will live forever. So we have to be careful of these cultural influences that takes our affections 
away from doing God's will, having his desires, having his heart, being sensitive to his Holy Spirit, being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. These things may be social media. These things might be our jobs. These things might be seeking socioeconomical status. These things might be the burden and the cares of the world. These things might be trends that the world may be doing. These things might be traditions. These things might be ancestral practices. He told us, don't conform ourselves to the world. Don't pattern yourself to look like them. You came out of Egypt. You should be shedding the old man and coming into your new identity as sons and daughters of God. You should look like salt. You should look like light. You should not look like anything, any type of pattern of what you literally just came out of. Amen? Because he has called you to a higher calling. They should see you and say, there's something different about you. Even in your business, they should say, this, I've done this with other people, but when you do it, it's different. Number four, the fourth challenge of discernment are secular world views. Secular world views. Now, the definition of world view are mental maps that tell us how to navigate the world around us effectively. It can derive from any type of ideology or influence. So the absolute truth regarding your worldview is that every single person in here and every single person that you know has a worldview. So, the sad thing to know is that those who consider themselves to be Christians have a worldview that is completely inconsistent with their profession of faith. So basically how people see things are seen through a person's flawed understanding of the world instead of the truths that are revealed to us in the word in which the Father gives us. So this is how this goes. Discernment itself is rooted in the understanding that there is good and there is bad. That there are God's ways and there are other ways. A secular worldview, on the other hand, teaches that truth exists along a continuum. That the truth is subjective and that it's relative. It says that every idea is a shade of gray and that nothing is ever right or nothing is ever wrong. So a worldview puts you in a level of deception where you cannot even see clearly. So because there is no other truth but God, but the Father, all roads do not, hallelujah, lead to Christ. And you will hear people say that, oh, no matter what faith you in, all roads lead to Christ. That's a lie. From ancestral worship to Hinduism, it don't lead to Christ. To spiritualism, whatever that is, to African worship, they don't lead to Christ. It don't even lead to sonship. So if you choose another God, which there is no other God, you choose death 
And that's what people don't understand. And if you are on, if you choose death, that means you're on the enemy's side automatically. Because why? You're in idol worship. And you are in direct opposition to God. So the secular worldview, sadly, is prevalent in the church. Everybody has their own view of what truth is. When there are no 50 shades of gray in God, there is either good or there is either evil. And discernment allows us to see the ugliness of error and the beauty of total truth. But those with a secular worldview view those who truly discern as too rigid, divisional, because it doesn't fit their deceptive schemes of what they got going on. Amen? So we have to be careful about our worldview. Because remember, our worldview is attached to our perceptions. And our perceptions are attached to our faith. And so if we start off wrong, then guess what? You got to know that. Why is this door not opening for me? Well, your perception, your worldview is wrong. Therefore, the door cannot open because there are no 50 shades of gray. There are, all roads do not lead to the Father. All roads do not lead you to salvation. All roads do not lead you to having the seed of Christ in you. All roads do not lead to the inheritance of God. Amen. All roads does not lead to what? The blood being over your doorpost and every time evil trying to come in, hallelujah, that it passes over you and your children and your children's children. All roads do not lead to that. Number five, a challenge of discernment, a low view of scripture, a low view of scripture. So just as many Christians have abandoned a Christian worldview, many have abandoned, abandoned the doctrines of Scripture. Many Christians have too low a view of the power and the uniqueness of the Bible. They have absorbed the culture's skepticism and disregarded any person or book that claims authority over them. So what am I saying? That people read and obey the Bible on their terms, expecting it to govern only what they allow the book to govern. And yet the Bible demands that we allow it to be sufficient to address all areas of our life and practice, whether it's evangelism or sanctification whether it's guidance on issues or social reform, or whether it's discernment, it is the measurement for all things, even on our own money, it says, in God we trust. So why don't we practice this principle, America, if we trust him? So how does a higher view of scripture help us then? 
Because spiritual discernment must be found upon the revelation of the Father himself in Scripture. We can only judge between what is right and what is wrong when we know what the Father says to be true. We can know this only from Scripture, not from our own intellect. Our intellect is low level. He told us that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So why would we allow our own intellect to be the measuring stick and by which we go about things? Amen. Number six, the sixth challenge of discernment. Oddly to be. but in its rightful place, a low view of theology. A low view of theology. Now, the word theology has been defamed. It's been dragged in the mud and made to be an evil concept over the last 10 years. Both believers and unbelievers have often rejected it, believing that theology is somewhat less than a noble pursuit. Therefore, what happens is that the practice of it seems unimportant, but the underlying beliefs are seen as something that is optional for you to do. Then on top of that is that to people, theology seems to bore Christians which is another way of saying we are bored with the Father himself. Theology is often linked in people's mind as this cold, dead religion that cares more about principles and matters of the intellect than the deeds of the heart. Yet, if we look at the meaning and the components of the word theology, we cannot help but to conclude that the Father requires all sons and daughters to be theologians. So let's do that. We will go over the definition and the components that make up theology. And in doing so, you will see how the concept that you have of the word theology will be released and a newfound truth will be implanted into your soul to expand your thought process. So, the word theology is a two-part word in the Greek. We have theo and we have ology. Theo is the Greek means God and ology means speak. So what theology really means is the study of the spoken word of God or the study of God. Are we not to learn about him and to study his ways? Is this not what we call the process of sanctification? Learning more about the Father and his requirements? Now the components of theology are the study of the Father and his ways, the study of things in scripture, the study of revelations that come from the word as you study it and as you read it. And it also helps us to defend the faith because the Bible said that you're going to have to give an answer of the hope that is within you. So we must do this.
to learn how the doctrine builds upon itself. Because remember, it says the doctrine is like a house when you have to lay the foundation of it first. So in order to defend the faith, we have to learn how does the word build upon itself. So as theology falls out of favor in the culture, so too does it fall out of favor in the church. What makes the pursuit of discernment very difficult. Because how can you discern accurately without being a theologian? How can you discern without studying the ways of God? How can you discern without studying the heart of God? How can you discern without studying the wisdom of God? How can you discern without studying the revelations of God? How can you discern without studying the themes of God? Amen. And our last challenge for discernment, number seven, is a low view of the Father. A low view of the Father. Now, the culture that lies in this word the culture seeks to assault the character of God. When he said for us to be holy, for I am holy. John 15, 18 through 19 says this. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me first. If you were of the world, it would love you as his own. Instead, the world hates you because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, he says. So the life of the Christian, I'm getting ready to close, is now marked by a continual striving after the Father's holiness as we seek to cast off what is evil and replace it with what is good. We seek to honor the Father by removing from our lives the very sins that make the Father's Son, Jesus' death, a necessity for us. The Father calls upon us to seek to imitate him and all of his perfections. We seek to imitate him through all of our incomparable perfections. Why do we do this? We do this to be conformed to the image of his son. We do this to walk in holiness. We do this to, stay, to stand blameless before him. So this is what I want to do. Um, I want everybody to stand up. I want you to raise the music just a little bit. And in the first session, when lesson that I did for discernment, I pray for everybody to stir up the gift, not to stir up the gift of discernment within them. And this will also be an impartation of the stirring of the gift of your discernment as well. But I've chosen to do it in a different way by prayer this time.
And so as I begin to pray, make sure that you are coming in agreement with me as I pray these things concerning discernment so that your discernment will continue to be stirred up as you're in the grocery store. It don't matter if you're talking to your husband, your children. It don't matter that this thing will begin to not only just stir up in you, but the gift of discernment will begin to mature. Because remember, I said it's a skill. It has to be matured in you over a period of time. So raise up the music just a little bit more for me, if you may. Make sure you posture your heart for worship as you and Abba. Father, I thank you. We are given the manifestation of the Holy Spirit to profit with all. We have the manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God operational in our life. We are given the gift of discernment of spirits and we have the fullness of the gift of discernment of spirit living and dwelling within us. We are anointed with the Holy Spirit and with the power of God to operate in and manifest the gift of discernment with accuracy, Father. We are completely filled with the gift of discernment, hallelujah, and it is living and it is active in us. We are completely filled with the gift of discernment. We have the ability to discern good from evil. We are completely filled with the gift of discernment. We have the ability to know the truth from a lie. We are endued with the power of God to operate in the gift of discernment and to receive supernatural revelations by the Spirit of God. We are filled with the gift of the sermon and through this gift the Holy Spirit transmits his hallelujah specific discernment of spirits to us on something that we would have no ability or means to be able to know about hallelujah with our own limited discernment intelligence and knowledge levels we are filled with the gift of the sermon hallelujah and by this gift the Holy Spirit himself directly gives us supernatural discernment knowledge and in Insight, what is not based on what our mind can conceive or our own intelligence levels. The discernment, the knowledge, the insight that we receive from the Holy Spirit through the operations of the gift of hallelujah, discerning hallelujah is purely spiritual and accurate. We are filled with the gift of discerning of spirit. We receive supernatural revelations by the Holy Spirit of certain spiritual facts in the mind, hallelujah, of our Father about the conditions of life about nature and about the spirits of people hallelujah we are filled with the gift of discernment of spirits we receive supernatural revelations of things which we could not know naturally but now exist or did exist on the earth and in the spirit realm father we are filled with the gift of discernment of spirits we have the mind and the thoughts of Christ being manifested in our mind and the Christ mind hallelujah and the thoughts that we have are given when needed in the flash of time father we are filled with the gift of discernment of spirits and by the Holy Spirit it begins to reveal the hidden things to us with clarity and accuracy father we are filled with the gift of discernment of spirit hallelujah 
We receive supernatural revelations and facts by the Holy Spirit that gives divine preparation steps for ministry, Father. We are completely filled with the fullness of the gift of discerning of spirits and the quality of the gift of discerning of spirit in us is excellent, it's pure, it's true, it's divine, it's accurate, Father. We are full of the gift of discerning of spirits. We are walking in a living discernment of the true nature of the situation and know what actions to take father we are full of the gift of discernment of spirits hallelujah we are empowered to overcome the limitations of man's natural ability hallelujah wisdom and complexes Lord God in times of need father we are full of the gift of discernment of spirits hallelujah and in hallelujah and by the operation of the gift of discerning of spirits in our life father we are empowered with divine directions father to prepare for situations and future events father we are anointed to manifest and operate in the gift of discerning of spirits father we are given perfect insight by the spirit of God into the spirit world hallelujah we are anointed to manifest and operate in the gift of discerning of spirits father we are divinely empowered and anointed father to discern the similitude of God or of the risen Christ or of the Holy Spirit or of cherubims or seraphims or archangels of the host of angels or Satan's and his legions and tactics father we are anointed father to manifest and operate in the gift of discernment father we are empowered to accurately distinguish the spiritual forces father behind a condition behind an activity behind a person behind an activation father we are anointed father to manifest and operate in the gift of discernment father we are divinely father empowered and anointed to discern the true nature of a human spirit father we are anointed to manifest and operate in discernment father we are divinely empowered and anointed to discern the spirit of heaviness father in the human spirit father we are anointed to manifest and operate in discernment father we are anointed to discern father a sorrowful human spirit father we're divinely empowered and anointed to discern the troubled spirit father we're designed like God and empowered father we're anointed to discern a broken spirit father we're able to discern Lord God a haughty spirit father we're able Lord God to discern a humble spirit father we're able to discern an angry spirit father we're able to discern a rejoicing spirit father we're able to discern a stronghold father we're able to discern the lack of rest in spirit father hallelujah father we're anointed father to manifest father to operate in the gift of discernment father we're hallelujah divinely empowered father anointed to discern the true nature and disposition of people father we're divinely empowered and anointed to discern father a vengeful spirit father we're Lord God empowered to discern a bitter spirit father we're anointed to discern Lord God a spirit of hypocrisy father we're divinely appointed father and anointed Lord God to discern the spirit of deceit father we discern the spirit of wickedness father we discern an unclean spirit father we discern a trustworthy spirit father we discern a faithful spirit father we discern a well-mannered spirit father hallelujah father we're anointed to manifest father and operate in the gift of discernment father we're empowered by the spirit of god